Welcome to Heart Church. We believe the gospel has the power to change your whole life, all your life. We hope you're ready to hear from God and be impacted by this message. We're going to look at some verses in the Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And these are amazing, amazing words. 1 Corinthians 13. And um, I want to read it from verse 4. And 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4, it says, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Turn to the person next to you and say, love never fails. Love never fails. Um, I want us to be a little bit real this morning because sometimes when you think about Christians and you think about family, you think, you know, that everything is just absolutely sweet and lovely. And uh, that everything's just amazing. People think that Tamsin, my wife was up a minute or two ago, you know, that we're kind of like got this family where, you know, in the morning, the presence of God is everywhere. We sing hymns over breakfast. <laughs> and that, you know, we just kind of like spend a bit of time like sharing some kindnesses with each other. We do 10 sort of points of 10 things that I like about you, Tamsin. 10 things I like about you, Mark. And we turn to our beautiful children and we say 10 things that we realize why God has blessed us that you are in our family. Yeah? That doesn't happen. Yeah? Doesn't happen. Um, you see, one of the things I want to chat about right at the kickoff is I want to chat about something that is real and that is family fights. Family fights. You see, 1 Corinthians 13, they use that scripture at weddings. They use that scripture at weddings where everybody's there and it's so lovely and everybody's nice and the bride and the groom are looking at each other like, <laughs> yeah, and it's just a beautiful atmosphere. Kindness and love is everywhere, yeah? That is not where that scripture should be read, yeah? That scripture should be read when everybody is having a massive go at each other, yeah? Round the table, whether your family fights involve a whole group of people falling out with each other and screaming at each other, or maybe you're not actually living in that kind of family right now. Maybe you're just dealing with elderly parents who are not screaming and shouting at you, but they're giving you the silent treatment. They had that. <sighs> a few months ago, my dad says, Mark, I'm just disappointed in you. <sighs> I came against that in the name of the Lord. And uh, you see, family fights. They're real. They're true. They're like, I'm not talking to you anymore. She always does this. I hate her. All the fighting over the meals, the arguments, the kind of sense of chaos. I've told you this before, but I love it. And I'm going to tell you again. 
my wife, she uh, is a lovely woman and she basically thought it would be amazing to have this meal. The whole four of us, my son, my daughter, my wife and me, she cooked a beautiful meal. She prepared the table brilliantly and she played some Christian music and some wonderful, lovely worship music playing. And we all gathered as a family and Tamsin had prepared all of this. And then it kicked off, yeah? It kicked off. Because, uh, you know, my son was in a bit of a, a bad mood and he started saying some stuff. And then my son made my daughter cry. And when my son makes my daughter cry, I get involved, yeah? <laughs> I get involved. And I got up and I was in his face. Do not talk to her like that. And I'm over the table. I'm going to give you some. And then my wife's like, oh, Mark, you're always on him. Leave him. Like, leave him. Yeah, and it's like, oh, we're all arguing. The four of us are shouting at each other. Then Tamsin starts crying. And then I'm like shouting at Jordan, look what you've done to your mother. Look what you have done to your mother. And then he's going, I didn't do it, you did it. It's like, it's all, oh, it's chaos. And then in amongst all this chaos, it goes quiet. And the worship, Jesus. Jesus. And I promise you, my wife just turned to the music player and she went, not now, Jesus. Not now. Not now, Jesus. Not now. You see, the truth is, is that like family fights are a real thing. And they cause a lot of chaos. And we can say things that we wish we'd never said. And we can get involved and sort of be angrier than maybe we intended to be. And so uh, we in our family, we've got some rules of engagement. We've got some rules for when we're fighting. Now I know that some of you Christians would be like, oh, no rules needed. Yeah, presence of God 24-7. Yeah. I know some of you are sitting there judging me right now because I've got some rules for engagement. But maybe that's the world you live in, but it's not the world I live in. And I'm going to guess it's not the world that 99% of the rest of us live in. You see, there's some rules of engagement. Now you might use these, you might not, but one of them is that, one of the rules is that if we're ever having an argument in our family, you're not allowed to leave the room. Now I know some of you, you start shouting at each other, slamming doors, screaming away in the car, yeah? Oh, one of the greatest moments of my life was in a little small group at church and the guy and the girl started arguing, had a fight during the small group. We're in his little study. He got up and slammed the door behind him. He left off. And then about four minutes later, he had to knock on the door. Have you, have you got the keys? Have you? <laughs> that is the walk of shame, isn't it? Oh, have you just got the keys? Because it's just that. Oh. But we've decided that we'll never walk out the room. We'll never drive off. We'll never shoot off. We're not sh slamming doors and walking away. What we want to do is we want to kind of have um, rules of engagement. It means that, no, no, we want to see this through. We want to kind of communicate with each other. We want to try and understand each other. That's something. And maybe you're in a family right now that that would be a good rule. The second thing is that we, we have this rule about not, no sweeping statements. 
Now I'll be honest with you, I'm better at this than Tamsin. Yeah? As in, I'm better at doing the sweeping statements than Tamsin. Because I say something like, you always, have you ever done that? You always do that. And it's like, you know, you never, you never. See, the truth is, we need to kind of just dial back on the language, our rules of engagement. Maybe we could think of different phrases and better ways of saying something. We've also, in our family, we've got like the kind of toothpaste rule. The toothpaste rule is to always keep in mind and keep in our heads that once it's out, it can't go back in. Am I talking truth here? Once it's out, it cannot go back in. So it's super important that we watch what we're saying. It's super important that we're careful when it comes to our language because sometimes we can say stuff that can be so hurtful and we, we can never put it back in the tube. Once it's out the tube, it's out. And we've got to kind of be at that place where we say, do you know what, I, I, I'm going to think about what my language communicates to the people around me. I'm going to try and do my best. Maybe you're dealing with a, an older parent. Maybe it's not about the chaos of the table for you. Maybe you're having to deal with someone on the phone that's a bit difficult. And it's like, oh, I've got to use a toothpaste rule. I've got to make sure that I don't say anything. Because once it's out, it's out. And I cannot get it back in. It's like really helpful for me to kind of watch my mouth. To watch the words I use. I, some... Of us, we scream and we shout the words, I hate you. And we say these words in the passion and in the kind of moment of the argument and the fight. I want to kind of speak to your soul today and say that, you know, we need to start thinking about the damage that our words can have. I want us to think about that sometimes once it's out, no matter how much you're apologising, you kind of, oh, you really do wish you'd never said it in the first place. We've got to, got to be having some rules of engagement. You see, when it comes to family fights, they're going to happen. They're going to be... People bumping against each other. There's going to be angry words spoken. But we can have some rules of engagement that can help us so that we can actually do this. Because you see, the Bible said in 1 Corinthians 13 that love never fails. Love never fails. I'm really terrible at this, but I'm really trying to get better. And that is that I want to remember what does God think of the people that I'm shouting at? What does God think of the people that I'm shouting at? What does God think of the people that I'm interacting with? It's like God absolutely loves this person. This is God's beautiful daughter. This is God's lovely son. And I've got to keep these words in my mind and keep that in my head while I'm engaged in this conflict. I love a preacher, politician guy called Martin Luther King. And he said these words, I have decided to stick with love. Hate is too great a burden to bear. I have decided to stick with love. 
Hate is too great a burden to bear. You see, I was praying about these couple of minutes. I'm up here and I felt that there are some people and, and you're really struggling with some of the members in your family and the members of your community. I kind of felt as God was nudging and speaking to me that there are people in the room and, and it burns deep inside of you. You have an anger against a certain person. When their name's mentioned casually around you, you can feel yourself emotionally changing. You can almost physically feel yourself changing because that name's been mentioned. Some people in the room that are like, oh, I can worship God and I love God and I love being in this wonderful place, but I hate my sister or I detest my mom. Oh, friend. I stick with love because hate is too great a burden to bear. Love never fails. You see, um, I go like speaking all over the world. Amazing privilege to do that. And uh, I was doing a, a series of uh, meetings and series of stuff. And I had to get the train. And the way it worked was I had to get the train into back from London up to Newark. And then I had to walk across Newark, across to the other train station. But the thing was, I had two really heavy bags. And one of them was full of books. And it was in the summer when it was really toasting. It was like really, really hot. It's only like a 15 minute walk. But my, 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 that walk was horrendous. I had to keep on stopping and putting the bags down and taking a moment and then picking them back up again, walking a little bit more, putting them down. You see, why did God bring that picture to my mind? He brought it to my mind because, you see, I believe that there are people that you are carrying such baggage, such bitterness, such hatred, that it's stopping you from getting where you need to go. You see, you, this journey, this trip that we're on called life is challenging enough without us having to carry extra baggage with us. There's enough challenges in your life. There's enough stuff going on without you having to carry this baggage. You see, there are people in the room and you're carrying bitterness. There's people in the room and you're carrying hatred for someone. You're carrying that extra baggage. It's slowing you down. Oh, I felt God say this to somebody in the room. It's wearing you out. You see, you don't see the person maybe. You've not got them. They're not right immediately in front of your face. But you're still carrying the baggage. It is wearing you out. Love never fails. Ah, that you would learn to love that person, not only so that they can receive your love, but so that you can look after yourself. So that you can do yourself some good. So that you today could be like kind to yourself. I don't want to live my life carrying such weight with me. I don't want to carry such baggage with me. I want to be someone who lives light. I want to be somebody who's got these things dealt with in my heart. See, I can't do Christians who have got their hands up in the air 
on a Sunday morning and on a Sunday afternoon. They've got their hands round the neck of their kids. You, if we're for real here, if we're living for real, then Sunday afternoon is as much a time of worship as a Sunday morning is. And that we would choose love. That we would pour kindness. That we would pour grace. That we would pour goodness onto people. That would say, oh wow. God's picked me up on this. I'm not the guy at the front who thinks he's a superhero. Once I preached in front of 7,000 people. And I had an absolute go at my wife in the car park. Because she didn't quite get something right. Oh God had a chat with me about that. Going to speak over a microphone to 7,000 people. Let me tell you a couple of things God says to Mark. You treat that lady with respect. You've got to be kind to her. You've got to be a different person. Wow. Not having it, Mark. Wow, rebuked by God. It's like, ah. See, God's speaking to all of us today that we would choose love. Love never fails. And now, oh, today, maybe at the end, there's some of us, you know, just like that story I told you about carrying the bags and having to keep on stopping and just take a few minutes. And it's wearing us out that some of us today, we're going to leave our burden. We're going to leave our baggage at the end of the service. And we're going to be able to walk free. And we're going to be able to do everything that God created us to do. You see, the second thing I wanted to chat about is not only family fights, but I wanted to chat about family forgiveness. Because, uh, you know, there's never any setting where you're called to forgive more than in the family. Is that not true? It's like, oh my goodness. It's like all over the place. Little sharp interactions, little, oh, you said that. And it's like, we've got to learn to be people who forgive. We've got to be able to put these words into action. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. Oh, that we would learn some of this stuff and that we would say, ah, Lord, would you help me to, to bring about family forgiveness, that I would be able to forgive people, that I would be able to let things go. Oh, you know those things that you always bring up in every argument? Do you know what I'm saying? No, but back in 1972, yeah? Oh yeah, Tamsin, my socks are on the floor now. But back in 1972, yeah, you said that. Mark, let it go. Some of us, we need to let it go to forgive and to never bring it up again. To forgive and never use it in an argument in the future as a little bit of leverage. Has anyone ever done that? Has anyone? No one's looking at me right now. Everyone's at the floor. Those shoes, lovely shoes, yeah. So I like that, I like that. Forgiveness. If anyone in the planet should know how to forgive, is it not us? If there's anywhere in this universe that knows how to say it's gone, it's forgotten, it's wiped completely clean, it should be us. You see, God's presence is very real here and God he incredibly 
has forgiven us. Every single one of us, God forgives us. The Bible says that every single one of us has messed up. Every one of us has screwed up when it comes to God. The Bible says we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every one of us, we've all messed up. We've got it badly wrong. Wow, God, would you be able to forgive us? I found the story very, very powerful. Some of you have maybe heard the story of a lady called Samar, Samaria Alinjad. Samaria Alinjad. And Samaria has a horrendous story, but what a powerful story it is. Samaria, her son was 18 and he was playing football with another lad out on the street. They are from Iran. And they got into a fight, the two lads, and Samaria's son was killed by his friend. Horrendous. A fight that got out of control. A knife was used and the lad is dead. Samaria's completely broken with grief that her son has been killed. And she is absolutely angry. And of course, the one who did it has been caught and in Iranian, the, the, the way they do it in Iran is that they set it up so that the victim's mother is able to like come and decide what should happen on the day of the execution. And this mother is all set right up to the morning and understands what has to happen. What has happened is that the young lad that did the murder has got a noose around his neck. He's standing on a chair. People have come to see this. And Samaria, the job that she's got is that she can come along and at this chosen moment, she can come and she kicks the chair away and the lad dies. And he pays the price for what he's done. And that morning, she is doing it. She's doing it. It's all set up and it's in place and she's talking to everybody around her that she is kicking that chair away because he has killed my son and he deserves to pay. And in a powerful, powerful story, she comes out and when the moment comes, she walks right up and she looks at him right in the eye. And of course, this guy's pleading for his life. Of course he is. And he's looking in this woman's eyes. And this woman looks and she chooses, she chooses to forgive him. And in a powerful moment, instead of kicking the chair away, instead of kicking the chair away, she calls the relatives, her relatives to come and help her. And they help and they break the noose and the noose is taken off his neck and he is able to live. But the story about Iranian law is that he still goes to prison for the rest of his life. Because the family can choose whether he dies or whether he lives, but they're not allowed to choose. They cannot lift the prison sentence. And I read this and I thought, what a powerful story of forgiveness that this woman would forgive the lad who killed her son. But oh friends, I want to tell you for a minute that there's a better and greater story of forgiveness. You see, there's a wonderful story is that every one of us in this room, we have messed up against God. Every one of us, we deserve to spend forever and ever without God. Forever and ever without God. 
And it's our moment. And we're on the chair. And the noose is around our neck. And the Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His Son Jesus. That Jesus came. That Jesus did not just come. He did not just come and take the noose around off our neck. He did not just come and say, Oh, it's sorted. I forgive you. But the rest of your life is going to be held in captivity. The rest of your life you've just got to live in clothes. But the Bible says that God sent His Son Jesus who came and He came and He did not only forgive us, but He said, I will die in your place. I will come and I will die in your place. The Bible says that Jesus got the noose and He put the noose around His neck. That He died on the cross. That Jesus died on the cross in our place. That we do not spend the rest of our lives in captivity, feeling like, oh, somebody's forgiven us. That was good of them forgiving us, but really we deserve to rot in this prison. But the story, the beautiful story of the forgiveness of God is that God sent His Son, Jesus. And Jesus says, I am going to pay the price. I'm going to take the death. I'm going to take it upon me. And I'm going to die this horrendous death in your place. I love the fact that Jesus, when he died on the cross, his arms are open. And friend, I don't know where you're sitting today. I don't know what's going on with you. But God, he's not got his arms folded. He's not got his finger pointing at you. Oh, his arms are open. His arms are open. He loves you today. He sent His Son that Jesus would die on the cross, that He would come and that He would pay the price. And this is the incredible thing. In a few moments, we're going to have this moment where I'm going to offer to pray. And you see, imagine in that story, if I told you that that mother had come and she said, no, don't kick the chair. Take the noose off his head. Imagine if that young guy had said, no, get away from me. Let it happen. Let, I don't want your forgiveness. And I was weeping two days ago when I thought about what we're going to have in a couple of minutes. That there may be somebody in this room that says to God, no, oh God, get away from me. I'll pay it. I'm not bothered. Ah, oh, friend. He has done everything for you. Allow him to forgive you and be able to walk out completely free, the slate completely clean. Love never fails. And then I'm speaking to God and I'm saying, God, I'm, I'm going to be in this room with an amazing amount of people. And God talks to me about family fears. We talked about family fights. We talk about family forgiveness. And then God starts to talk to me a little bit about family fears. He says, Mark, there's some people in the room that their families have passed on some traditions. Their families have passed on some ways of doing things. But also their families have passed on some fears. Some of you are fearful about the things that your parents were fearful about. 
Some of you are fearful and have anxiety about some of the things that generations gone in your family were crushed by fear. You, you find yourself, oh, I'm beginning to get like my dad. I'm beginning to, I'm beginning to feel fear. I remember what this did to mom. I couldn't remember what grandma, she used to always be in a tizzy about this. Family fear. The Bible, the Bible says in 1 John 4 verse 18, it says in verse 16, that God is love. And it says in verse 18 that perfect love casts out all fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. Love never fails. Oh, friend, you see, fear, fear is a terrible driver. Fear is at the steering wheel of your life and is taking you to places that you never thought or dreamed that you would go, but you have gone to places in your mind because fear is the driver. F fear is taking you down alleys, dead alleys. Fear is stopping you from going for that job. Fear is stopping you from blooming and blossoming. Fear is stopping some of you from walking across a room with confidence in your heart. Fear is a terrible driver. But the Bible says that perfect love casts out all fear. I love this because I've decided that I'm not going to allow fear to be the driver of my life. You know, five years ago, I would never have got up at Edinburgh Festival and stood on a stage in a comedy festival like that and talked about the love of God. I would never have believed that the presence of God could come into a comedy club in the middle of the festival. I never would have imagined that I could have lifted up the name of Jesus in the weirdest and wildest festival in the nation. But you know what? Fear is no longer the driver in my heart. Fear is no longer the driver. God. And I had this wonderful belief that for some of us today, it's like love casts out all fear. And that for some of us in this room in the next few moments, it's going to be a case of God and He's going to just be pushing. He's going to be pushing fear out the driving seat. And God, the love and wonderful and glorious God, God who is love, love that never fails, God is going to take the steering wheel of your life and is going to become the greatest driver and allow you to walk with confidence, allow you to parent with confidence, allow you to blossom allow you not to be nervous always waiting on the phone for a bad report but allow you to have a spring in your step and to take every day as a new adventure and challenge oh I don't want fear to be the driver any longer but I want love to take the steering wheel love never fails you've come to the end of this message we hope you've been challenged and inspired Stay up to date with everything going on in the life of our church by checking out our social media. Just search Heart Church UK.